Sister Bev is going to be teaching you Ezekiel today, and I guess for the first part of next week, and then I'll be back with you and Daniel. But first, we want to get into 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now, Peter starts out, likewise, wives. He didn't say all women. He said wives. Be subject to your own husbands. Ladies, you don't have to submit to every pair of pants that walks down the street, but submissive to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, here's a wow, ladies. Here's a wow. Without a word, by the conduct of their wives. Now, I've seen this work both ways in my life. I've, I've seen unsaved husbands who had no desire for God at all. And I've seen wives just preaching at them every single day about what a horrible heathen they were. And you know what? They never got saved. And I've watched wives live a godly life before their husband. Not be scared of sharing the gospel, no, but live a godly life before their husbands. And I've watched those husbands. I'll never forget the first time I saw it as a young intern pastor. I asked him why he got saved, and he talked about how as mean as he was to his wife, trying to get her to break. She wouldn't. She was just sweet and kind and wonderful. Until she heard him praying one morning, kneeling beside the bed, Lord, Help me be as good a husband. Help me be the kind of a husband that my wife deserves because she's such a good wife to me. And you know what, ladies? That's, that's Bible. That they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see you respectful and pure conduct, wow. When they receive the holiness of your life, when they see the holiness of your life, but they also see how you treat them. That you're respectful to your husband. <laughs> Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on of clothes, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, well, let me just add one more thing and then we'll talk about it. This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. Now, ladies, you're going to have to understand something. All that beauty fades. I don't care if you're the most beautiful woman in the world. You're going to get wrinkles, <laughs> okay? The, the physical beauty is going to fade. But there's an inner beauty that only grows stronger. Now, I, I talked with a man one time who had made some mistakes in his life. And he committed adultery and started a second family. And he was now getting right with God. And I looked at him and I said, but you have a wife who's incredibly beautiful. Why in the world would, would you do this? And, you know, to be honest, the, the number two, she didn't look that nice. And I said, you have this beautiful wife, yet you go start a relationship with this lady who's not that attractive. And he looked at me and he said, but I like the way she treats me. Wow. He said, the way she treats me is what, is what got my attention. 
Now, ladies, you're going to have to understand something. There's something far more seductive and there's something far more beautiful than physical appearance. You adorn yourself with a gentle and a quiet spirit submitting to your husband. Said Pastor Summerall, that's very misogynist to say, I'm just teaching you the Bible, all right? And I've met enough men in my life to tell you it's true. Because ladies, the physical beauty always fades, always does. I mean, we, we get older, okay? But that gentle, quiet spirit, that submissive heart with your husband, that will keep attracting him for the rest of your life. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, another translation of that said, don't fear your husband when he's frightening, all right? So ladies, you should never be afraid of your husband, okay? Just keep doing good. Now he talks to the husbands, all right? So we've talked to the wives. Now we talk to the husbands. Have you ever noticed how God's pretty even-handed? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. All right, now notice, gentlemen, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Now, guys, you have to live with your wife in an understanding way, not a dominating way, in an understanding way, not with domination, not with control, not with lording it over her. Always try to understand your wife. Guys, you're going to have to learn. Ladies think different than men, okay? Ladies don't think like a guy. Now, guys, as the head of the house, you have to try to understand your wife. Showing honor to the woman. Now, guys, again, you always honor her. Wow, I like that. You always show honor to the woman. You carry her heavy bags. You open doors for her. That, that's not kawawa. I mean, I, I, there was a guy one time who started saying that that uh, a guy helping his wife and showing honor to his wife, that it was kawawa for him. You know what? When a guy acts like that, he's just a jerk. Okay, guys, are you man enough to show honor to your wife? <laughs> when you're in public, do you honor her? Do you step back and let her take the lead? Wow. Do you remember when Bradley Knight and his wife were with us and, and she was doing the ladies' conference? I, I sat there in the front row and watched Bradley. It's one of the reasons I like Bradley so much. I watched him be willing to sit back and let his wife be the one who was getting all the attention. It was a women's conference. She was speaking. But he's always the one who's Bradley Knight, Bradley Knight. But he was so willing to step back and allow his wife to receive the honor. And he showed her honor. I thought, Ah, now there is a good, good man. When a man can't step back and let his wife receive honor, and can't step back and show his wife honor, uh, he's a pretty weak man. Showing honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. All right, guys, here's the truth to answered prayer. You live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor so that, and we need to really highlight that, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you, 
have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. All right, all of you. All right, this is how we live with each other. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil. Here's a do not. Do not repay evil for evil. Reviling for reviling. Now the translation says insult for insult. Have you ever had people to sit around and insult you? You know, there are some people, every time they get around you, they just want to insult you. And all that you, you go someplace and all you hear is all these horrible things people have said about you. You know what? You don't need to to retaliate in kind. If, if, if people have been saying all kinds of insults about you, well, you know what? People believe what they want to believe. I, I wouldn't bother responding to that. So never repay evil for evil. When people do evil to you, just, okay. I can't change how you treat me, but I can act, choose how I act. And never repay insult for insult. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Wow. This is how you reap blessings. Bless, for to this you were called. We were called to bless, not to go around and insult. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. All right, now, is that what you want? So you determine quality of life. You determine the quality of life. Whoever desires to see law, to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. All right, so there's two truths. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit because that's going to affect your quality of life. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. All right, so there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six. There are six things that determine your quality of life. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I like that. God is watching us, not from a distance. God is watching us. And his ears are open to our prayer. God is watching and God is listening. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for doing good? If you are zealous for doing good. Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for doing good? But if you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. All right. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Okay. Now, great truth there. We will suffer. Okay. This is just something that we're going to have to face. We will suffer for doing good. You know, sometimes you do the right thing. And you know what? You're going to suffer for it. <laughs> my father used to have a saying, and I don't like that saying, but my father used to have a saying, no good deed goes unpunished. You know what? Unfortunately, in this world, it's too often true. But in your heart, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Always. Okay, this is how you regard Jesus. Jesus is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense. Be prepared to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, always be ready to make a defense. Always be ready to share the gospel. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Now, again, this is how to witness. 
we should never witness with with meanness and disrespect. You dirty sinner. That should never be our attitude. We should give an answer for the hope that is within us, that, that we have a confident expectation of a future good because of who we are in Christ. So we answer that with gentleness, respect, a good conscience, because they will slander us and they will revile. They will insult our good behavior. You know, sometimes the young people say, you know, pastor, people make fun of me because I'm a virgin. One of the guy, young men was telling me that he's mocked in his call center because he's a virgin. Well, they'll revile your good behavior in Christ. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Okay, I mean, you will suffer for doing evil, but if you suffer for doing good, if that's God's will, it's okay. For Christ suffered once for sins, that's all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. We dealt with all of that in Romans. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Uh, that's one of those question marks in my Bible. I've read lots about it. I've studied lots about it. I still don't have a good answer for you. Because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. God's patience waited. Wow. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Okay, If you're not baptized, you need to understand that's part of your salvation. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there's something beautiful that happens when you're water baptized. It's a, like a resetting of the human conscience. It's not just a, a spiritual ritual. When things are done properly with the right heart, it's a real reality in resetting the conscience. Who has gone into heaven, who is at the right hand of God. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? He's gone into heaven at the right hand of God with the angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Jesus is Lord. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Everything I am, this is where I live. This is where I live. Keeper of my heart, 
Welcome back to Ezekiel, and this morning in our dramatic prophet Ezekiel, we are going to start with chapter 36, verse 16, and we'll be reading quite a long passage today, so we'll just get right into it. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds, so we know our ways and our deeds, how we are, how we think, our, our insides and our deeds, two ways that we can displease the Lord. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds. I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that, people said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. You see that God is jealous for his name. And when we don't live for him the way we are supposed to, and other people say, oh, she's a Christian, and she lives like that, and I guess God wasn't able to take care of her. So God's name is being put down because of the way that we live. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And now we get a description of what restoration looks like. You know, some people say that restoration is like a negative thing. Oh, He's under restoration. He's, you are. He's under restoration, as though that's a bad thing. 
Restoration is a beautiful thing. When God restores us to himself, when God restores his people, it is a beautiful thing. I think, would you rather be under restoration or under judgment? (laughs) Which one would you rather be under? I'd rather be under the restoration of the Lord. And we know that even in these times, as we've gone through an amazing 2020, God will restore and he's in the process of restoring to us twofold for all that has been taken from us. He restores, he restores fortunes, he restores health. Amen. So restoration Restoring, that's a beautiful thing. Now look at the description. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Yes, this is Old Testament. Yes, this is the prophet Ezekiel speaking. But this is God's heart. It has always been God's heart. It is God's heart for us, his people. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What words of hope, what words of joy we are reading that this is God's desire for us. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God, and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. See, restoration spiritually results, it's followed by restoration of blessing and prosperity. God will make it happen. He's going to summon the grains. This is an agricultural land. So in your case, maybe you don't have grain that he's going to summon, but maybe it's clients. He's going to summon your clients and restore them to you abundantly, and you will be blessed. This is what restoration looks like. Then, when God has been so good to you, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and abominations. So God's kindness leads us to repentance, right? And then we get to read the word of God, and we get to understand how God sees our former actions or how God saw our former actions. And we'll be so sorry that we did that because it's part of renewing the mind. We will, it says, we will loathe ourselves for our iniquities. Yeah, we're going to feel really bad. Yeah, I did that. Wow, that is actually a step in restoration when you get to renew the mind and see, oh, that's how God thinks about that sin. And that's one of those things that will help us to never do that again, because we understand how God sees it. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, 
I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. Wow. <laughs> and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock. Oh, I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. So if God has promised you something, if God has promises in his word, he will allow you to come and ask him to do those things. That's a principle and that is good. That's good teaching. That's good for us to know. We need to come and ask God, God, you see this promise? There shall be none barren and miscarry among you. Lord, would you do that in my life? Will you give me children? God, when it says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, will you do that in my life? He will allow us to ask him for these things. In this case, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, chapter 37. This is probably maybe the most famous of Ezekiel's visions of all of them. This is the resurrection of a nation being talked about. And this, all this prophecy that Ezekiel's giving, it is given the night before a messenger will come with the news of Jerusalem's destruction. So it's like ahead of time, God was encouraging his people and saying, all right, this is going to happen. He's been saying it's going to happen. Jerusalem will fall. Jerusalem will fall. He's been saying that. But now, the night before, they get that messenger who tells them that Jerusalem fell. The night before, this beautiful and, yes, dramatic and descriptive prophecy of the resurrection of a nation. So he takes Ezekiel to the Valley of Dry Bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. Well, that means they've been there a long time. It will be a while. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, God asks that. Because from every human perspective, the answer is, 
it's impossible. It's impossible for these bones to live. They're dry. They've been scattered all over the place. And they've been there a while. Bleached bones. No, God, it's not possible. Humanly, it's not. But Ezekiel answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Oh, good answer. Good answer, Lord. I'm not going to answer, No, God, that's impossible. I'm going to say, Lord, with you, all things are possible. God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And I know that you know songs that say those very words. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. You know, God makes dead things live again. And only God can do that. Things that humanly should never be possible, but with God, all things are possible. And I want you to note that it is the word of the Lord that causes these dry bones to live. Some of you, you need to start preaching to the dry bones in your life and say, the word of God says, live. Amen. Say to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Oh, we have so many positive, then you shall know these days as we're reading these final chapters, these prophecies of the book of Ezekiel. So I prophesied as I commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. You know what I think is really remarkable? All these bones scattered around across the valleys, across the mountains, dried bones, bone to its bone. When God put them back together, they all made the correct connections. <laughs> it's not um, somebody got their own thigh bone, but somebody else's shin bone. No, 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 no. God, when God puts your life back together, he knows how to put all the proper pieces in the proper places. <laughs> bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. So first he prophesied to the bones, now prophesy to the breath. This is kind of like the creation of man in Genesis, that then he breathed into man the breath of life, and then he came to life. Prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, so from north, east, south, west, come from every direction, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army, scattered bones becoming a great army. Only God, only God's powerful word can do this in your life. 
only God's powerful word can take scattered bones and turn them into a great and effective army in your life. Only God can make the dead things live. But you should know God does it. God does things like this. He makes the dead things live. Amen. Scattered bones into a great army. What is it in your life that's dead? What dream is it in your life? What business that you look at and you go, oh, it's so dead. It's humanly impossible. It will never live. What is it in your life? Start speaking the word of God over it. Pray over it. The word of God. Say, God, this is your word. I speak it over this business. You see what happens because God is in the business of making dead things live. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So it's clear that in its interpretation, this prophecy is not about like one soul being converted to the Lord, but it is in its correct interpretation, the whole nation of Israel, the north and the south, Israel and Judah, being resurrected. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open up your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and take you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Carrying on in this dramatic chapter, Verse 15, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, the northern kingdom, and all the house of Israel associated with him, a stick like a shepherd's rod, a scepter. These were used as scepters. Take these two rods. One is for Judah. One is for Israel, the northern kingdom. And join them into, join them one to another into one stick that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph. That is the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join with it the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they that they may be one in my hand. When the sticks on which you write are in your hand before their eyes, then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone. See, the northern kingdom of Israel had been in captivity a very long time. Scattered, Assyria had taken them and scattered them to the nations. This was a long time before Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel in his time in the southern kingdom of Judah, they were taken by Babylon. So, in fact, some people say the 10 lost tribes of Israel, they're not lost. God knew exactly where they were, and he was taking them, and they're joining together again to become one nation from all the tribes, from the entire house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations which they have gone, and will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions. But I will save them from all their backsliding in which they have sinned and will cleanse them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them and they shall have one shepherd, one king, one shepherd, one nation. Only God can do this. Amen. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. Remember, he's talking to people in exile in Babylon. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever, and David my servant shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. There's that covenant of peace again. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. You know that our Lord wants peace for us. You know that if you're troubled in your spirit, if you're troubled in your soul, that's not God's will for you. He doesn't want you to be troubled. He doesn't want you to fear. He wants peace for you, for, for your heart, for your life. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. What a beautiful, beautiful assurance from the prophet Ezekiel. The nation resurrected the dry bones with the Spirit of God making them live again. And then this two shall become one, the two divided. Things that are dead will live. Things that are divided will be united. Only God does things. And you know what? He's no respecter of persons. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. If he did it for them, he'll do it for you. God will do these things. Make dead things live. Make divided things come together. If your family is divided, it can come together again. It looks impossible, but God, but God can do it. Only God can do it. Seek him, seek his face, turn to him and take the word of the Lord and speak them over the problems in your life. The dead will live and the divided will be united. This happens 
in the name of the Lord and through the power of his word. And this is true. His words are true. These things are given to us to learn and to apply to our own lives. Amen. That is our Ezekiel reading for today. Wow, what passages we are reading in Ezekiel these days. The drama, drama prophet. We are enjoying this drama, drama prophet, aren't we? And these beautiful prophecies of life and hope and joy in the Lord our God. Amen. Wow, that is our reading for today, and that is our devotions for today. Please do join us again tonight for our COP online evening service at 7 p.m. right here in this same place. God bless you.